Well, my name is Steve Larson. Jim wanted an excuse to take a day off. So a little eye surgery going on, but he's, uh, he's fine, but uh, he uh, just didn't want to scare you with the look that he had going on with his eyes right now. So I am filling in, and I want to uh, speak to you today on faith. Uh, my goal is to challenge you in the way that you're living right now uh, that God wants faith not to be something that's historic in your life, but something that is present tense every day that you're living right now. To start off, I'd like us to look at a, a scripture that really sets things off for me. It's Colossians 2, 6, and 7. And here's what Paul says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, having been firmly rooted and now being built up in him and established in your faith, just as you were instructed and overflowing with gratitude. Now let's jump back to verse 6. I want you to see this carefully. Oh, it, yeah. As Paul says, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord. In other words... He is suggesting that the way that you should walk in Christ today, the way that you should live your life today as a follower of Jesus, is exactly the same as the principle that you used to to become a believer. So in the same way that you've received Jesus, I want you to walk in him today. So the obvious question comes, well, how did I receive Jesus? And Ephesians 2, 8, 9 has that answer very simply. For by grace, okay, let's, let's try that again. By grace, you have been saved through Okay, let's do that one more time because some of you are mumbling and some of you weren't saying anything. So one more time. By grace. That's better. Let's try one more time. By grace. You know, grace is a great thing. And some of you are saying grace, okay. Like we have to say that before lunchtime or something like this. No, grace is something really big. We're going to find out. Okay, by grace, you have been saved through faith. Okay, that is exactly how God wants you to live your life today. Now, let me explain this. In the scriptures, almost all the time when we are commanded to believe in Christ, the verb to believe is in the present tense. And the reason that's important is that in the Greek language, the present tense has this ongoing, continuous action kind of feel. So, let me translate John 3.16 for you. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whoever believes and keeps on believing in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. John 7, 37 through 39, write down that scripture if you're taking notes, because I'm going to encourage you to refer back to it. Jesus said, if any man is thirsty, let him come to me and drink. But Jesus doesn't want you just to take a drink from him. He wants you to drink and keep on drinking. And then he goes on and defines what it means to drink, drink from him. He says, he who believes in me and keeps on believing, that's the one that will have the Holy Spirit flowing from him like rivers of living water. Why is this important? 
If I were to ask you before we talked about this, hey, when did you believe in Christ? Some of you might say, oh, it was 20 years ago, or it was last year, or it was 40 years ago. And, and you're thinking of your faith as a historic event rather than a present reality. So the, the answer to the question, when did you believe in Christ? Well, this morning. I trusted him in a fresh way this morning. Let me share with you how this works. This is really important because I think a lot of Christians are unknowingly living, trying to live the Christian life in their own power. Do you remember the story of manna in the Old Testament? I think that would have been a crazy time to live. You know, Martha, what are we having for breakfast? Manna. Okay. But, so that was the bad news. Not a lot of variety on the menu. But the good news is, where was the manna? It was right outside the door of my tent. So I wake up in the morning. I walk outside. There's this wonderful, fresh, honey-tasting bread that's right out the door. But if I were lazy and I thought, okay, I'm going to collect manna enough for a couple of days, what would happen to the manna overnight? Remember? It would get infested with worms. Now understand this. This wonderful gift from God was only good for one day. The next day, you needed to receive this wonderful gift from God again. Or you didn't have any manna. I think God did that on purpose. I, it's not that God hadn't invented preservatives yet. I think he made manna that way on purpose because he wanted his people connecting with him by faith on a day-by-day -day basis. So, whoa. I'm waking up. God, I hope you provide manna because we don't have anything else to eat. Walk outside. Oh, there's manna. Thank you, God. You provided again. Now, I think the grace of God is exactly the same way. It is an amazing gift from God, but it's only good for one day. Now, grace is not just what saves you, but grace is what empowers you to live for him every day. So, what do I need to do this morning? I need to receive grace by faith. Today. And if I don't do that, I think I'm living life in my own power. See, I think most of us think that if I don't do anything bad, then I'm walking with God. I think it's just the opposite. I think our default as sinful human beings is to walk on our own power, and we need to make a specific choice every day to receive his grace and to walk in his power. So that's why Paul starts off by saying, as you have received the Christ Jesus the Lord... How did you receive him? By grace, through faith. Paul says, now I want you to walk in him every day. So today is about what is faith? How do we walk by faith? How do we live by faith on a day-by-day basis? 
And three, what will faith do if you actually start making that choice on a day-by-day basis? So, let's look together at what is faith. Faith, and uh, I think we'll go to, yeah, there we are. Faith is very simple. It is relying on who God is, what God has said, and what God has done. We're going to see in just a minute that there's a contrast between faith, which is my trust in who God is, what he has said, and what he has done, and sight, the things that I can see and perceive and feel and understand in this world. Those are mutually exclusive. They are opposed to each other and will lead you in different directions. So if you're going to live by faith, you are going to live depending on who God is, creator of the ends of the earth, of the entire universe, the God who saved us, the God who is sending his son to come again to rule and to reign over this universe, who God is, what he has said, all of the promises of God's word, we actually start relying on those and what he has done, that Jesus has died so that our sins could be forgiven. He's risen from the dead so that we have hope beyond this grave. He has sent his Holy Spirit so we have the power to live today so that this is kind of a cool thing. You don't know what life is going to bring, but you know that whatever challenges come your way, God has said, I've already given you what you need to overcome that. So faith says, oh, I trust that. So what faith will lead you to do is to live life without fear. Because you don't know what's going to happen, but you do know that whatever happens, you're going to have the resources you need to overcome that. Okay? Let's look at another uh, aspect of faith. Faith is how we receive from God what we could gain from no other source. I don't know about you, but I need a boatload of God's strength every day. I need a lot of it. The only way I'm going to get it is through faith. Faith is consciously receiving God's resources today for the challenges today. Let's go on. Faith is how we activate the power of gospel in our lives. Romans 1.16. Paul says, For I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone. Is it for everyone? Answer that for me. Is it for everyone? No. It's for everyone who believes. In other words, the gospel is, in one sense, for everyone. I can say to anyone, if you trust God, God will save you from your sins. Jesus, who died for you, will take your punishment. You will be free. You will have eternal life. You will become a member of the family of God. And you will live forever in heaven with God. And that's if you believe. Now, not only that... But faith is the gateway 
for activating the power and promises of God in your life today. This is where things get exciting. If you want an interesting uh, experience, and if you have the little software on your phones or on your computers or something, it gets real easy. Just do a search of faith and believe and look through the Gospels and see every place where it's listed. Every place that faith shows up in the Gospels, it's about God showing up on somebody's behalf. So we have the woman who had the the bleeding problem, who, remember, she said, if I can just touch his hem, and she touched his hem, and she was instantly and completely and miraculously healed, and Jesus said, daughter, it is because of your faith. I love the guy who came to Jesus, and he said, "Uh, Jesus, I would like you to heal my son if you can. It's kind of cool. Jesus was kind of offended. If you can. He said, all things are possible to him who believes. And I, this guy's prayer is so cool. He cried out, Lord, I believe. And do you remember how it finishes? Help me in my unbelief. And Jesus healed his son. Even with that kind of shaky faith. His faith wasn't all that great. Lord, I believe, but help me with my doubting. Help me with my unbelief. And Jesus went ahead and healed his son. So here's the great thing, you guys. You don't have to be superstars of faith. You just have to put your faith, whatever level it's at, at, in Jesus. And then amazing things start to happen. One other scripture here, Matthew, uh, or Mark 9, 23 through 24. Oh, that's the one I just read. Uh, Mark 5, 36. Jesus, overhearing what was spoken, said to the synagogue official, this was the guy who had just heard that his daughter had died. And Jesus said, do not be afraid any longer. Only believe. People of God, God wants your life to be supernatural. He wants your life to be something that people around you can't explain by rational, normal means. But the only way that's going to happen is through faith. Jesus said to Mary when her brother Lazarus was in the tomb, Jesus said, did I not say to you that if you believe, you will see the glory of God? So now the question comes up. How do we bring faith out of the past? Oh, I trusted Jesus for my sins into the present. How do we walk by faith? 2 Corinthians 5, 7 says, we walk by faith and not by sight. These are the two principles that you can operate on. And let's look first of all at what it means to walk walk by sight. Walking by sight is making your decisions It's acting and reacting, speaking and responding based on what you can see with your physical senses or what you hear from others or read from others or what you can figure out yourself. In other words, to put it in Proverbs 3 language, it's depending on your own understanding. 
It's leaning on your own understanding. That's what it means to walk by sight. And I'll be honest with you, and I don't mean this to be a condemnation because I fall into the same trap. I think most of us in America walk by sight. I think most of us in America walk by sight. Why do I say that? Because in America, there is an alternate for God for every problem you'll face, right? Are you depressed? Hey, I got a pill for that. Are you anxious? I got a pill for that. Uh, do you need money? I'll give you a loan. In a, everything that we might face, this world will give you an alternative. So, let's say my car breaks down and I need a new car. And I don't have the money for the, the car. What do I do? Well, first I go into Consumer Reports and read the best deals on used cars, you know, that fit within my budget. Then I go to the bank and I get a loan. Then I go to the dealer or to a private buyer and I try to negotiate them down and get the price that I want. And then I buy the car and then I start paying off the loan. Now, everything that I did, I did it exactly the same way than an atheist would have done it. There was no difference between the process that I just outlined and what an absolute atheist who spits in the face of God and says, I don't believe in God. I am leaning on myself. Those two people just did exactly the same thing. They relied completely on their own understanding and on the resources of this world to get what they think they needed. They walked by sight. And the result of walking by sight is an ordinary, explainable life. Have you ever met people where odd things are always happening to them? I met a guy who needed a car. Rather than going through that process, he, 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 his car broke down, he had no car. He began to pray and he asked God, God, I need a car and right now I don't have the money for it. And a guy came up to him and he said, Do you need, and he didn't tell anybody he needed a car. And the guy comes up to him and he says, do you need a car? I have a car that I'm not using and I, would you like this? And he gave him the car. And so this guy received from the Lord through this other person the exact thing that he needed to meet his needs. He was walking by faith. Rather than relying on his own understanding, he was relying on the Lord. Now, if you already have the money for the car, that's great because the Lord has already provided what you need so you can do that. But make sure you do it with thanksgiving, realizing that it's the Lord who gave you the money to buy the car. Walking by faith is actually letting what you believe in God filter down to how you live life today. It begins to affect how I speak and how I respond to people. It affects my value system. It affects uh, how I do my work. It affects why I do my work. It starts to change everything 
about me. Let's, be, let's explore this a little bit because what I want to help you to see is that walking by faith is living by one of the simplest scriptures in all the Bible. Proverbs 3, 5, and 6. Remember that? Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And do not lean on your own understanding. In all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. Guys, for Connie and I, we've had to learn this because so often we don't even know what's happening tomorrow. When we're in China, everything is today. And then when we wake up tomorrow, we're not sure if we're going to be able to get to the factory or that's going to be closed down by the government or what's going to happen. So we are literally living day by day in faith. And you know what? It is so exciting. It's so exciting to be on that where we have to trust God daily. We have to ask God for his strength and his grace to allow us to do what we've been, gone to China to do. We have to do that every day because we don't know if it's going to be there for us. It's like manna. And what we've seen is not only God allow us to do what he's called us to do in China, but also God opening up other opportunities in different cities around China for us to go and teach. One of the things that's happening right now that is so crazy, we've been invited to teach at a public library in mainland China. And the Chinese communist government is actually paying us to lecture once a month there. What are we lecturing on? We're lecturing on how Jesus Christ can make a difference in your family. And the communist atheistic government is paying us to do that. Now, how that ever... I, I can't even explain how that came to pass. But it did because we said to God, we're here, we want to be used by you, so God, would you open up the doors that you want to open up? And this door opened up, this assistant librarian who is a believer, she said, I think I can get my boss to okay this, would you do this? Sure, we came. A hundred people showed up. Ninety-five percent of them didn't know Jesus. And we started talking to them. And so far, several of them already have come to faith. They're so excited about this that they're actually calling the library when we come, like we're home for three months now. They're calling the library saying, when are they coming back? We want to be there. And so the librarian, who is not a believer, member of the Chinese Communist Party, is putting pressure on the assistant library. Hey, can you make sure those guys get scheduled so we have them as much as we can have them? All of this grows out of walking by faith. Now, I want to talk a little bit about what faith will do in your life. Because faith, if, you, if you're living by faith on a day-by-day basis, it's going to transform everything. First, faith is going to transform your relationships. How does that work? You notice how we make decisions about people all day long. We see a homeless guy, we'll work for food. And we demean them. I mean, they just, ah, why are they on the corner? I don't want to have to drive into my nice shopping center looking at this guy, and blah, blah, blah. 
And we forget that, A, they were created in the image of God, just like we were. And they may not be living their lives to the best of their ability right now. They may be responsible for what they're doing, but they are still people who are worthy of respect because they have been created in the image of God. Well, I have a friend uh, in Newberry Park. He, run, he runs a bike shop. And he saw one of these guys. And he decided that this guy was worthy of respect. And so he was sitting on a corner right outside his bike shop. And he said, how about if I give you a job, rather than holding up a will work for food sign, how about if you hold up a sign to my bike shop? And the guy was all excited. He took him to a place, got him a shower, got him cleaned up and got him holding the sign. And this guy, his whole life is turning around because one believer saw him as worthy of respect. One believer saw him as something more than he could be. And so every time I drive by this guy's bike shop, here's this guy, this homeless guy, waving the sign to his bike shop. Uh, and it's amazing. It cost him a little bit of money, but this guy now has a job where he's doing something worthwhile with his life. People, if we learn to see people differently, amazing things can happen. Now, let me give you a couple of scriptures. Hebrews 9.27. It says, It is appointed unto men once to die, and after that comes judgment. Do you believe that scripture? Nobody believes that scripture. Okay, let's try it. Do you believe that scripture? Okay, good, good. So 30% of you believe. That's, that's actually pretty good. There's another scripture, John 3, 36. It says, He who believes in the Son has eternal life. But he who does not obey the Son will not see life, but the wrath, the anger of God, abides on him. Do you believe that one? All right. So if I believe what God says about people, every person I meet is either headed to an eternity with Jesus Christ or they're headed for an eternity apart from Jesus Christ. Let me just go crazy on you. From my way of thinking, that is probably the most important thing about any individual that I ever meet. Would you, would you agree with that? I mean, is there anything more important about a person than their eternal destiny. Because I, I don't know about you, but I've been amazed lately at the number of people who have been dying, people in the public eye. I mean, it's just a lot of death going around. And people who were movie stars and movies that I grew up watching, and you know, it's just, it's funny when it starts hitting your generation. And people who are like, way too young to die, at least in my view, you know, 60, 62, 50, 48, you know, people dying like crazy. And they've accomplished a lot of things. I mean, they were, they were you know, hits in the movies, or they were great athletes who had wonderful careers, and none of that matters anymore. The only thing that matters is, did they know Jesus, or did they not know Jesus? Now, if I rewind that back to my life right now and I meet a person and I believe that the most important thing about that person 
is their eternal destiny. Do you think that might have an impact on how I treat them? Do you think that might have an impact on how I behave in front of them? See, it's interesting. Paul, Paul wrote to, to the older women of the church, and he said, Older women, I want you to teach younger women to love their husbands. Why? So that the gospel of Jesus might be adorned. In other words, it, might, it will make the gospel look good. How we live either makes the gospel look good or it makes the gospel look bad. And so everything starts to come back to this issue of living in a way that draws people to Jesus. Now, there's a lot more we could say, but I want to move on because we're getting short on time. I want to talk about faith in your values. If you've got your Bibles, turn to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6, verses 19 through 24, and I'm going to read it from the New Living, so it'll be a, a little different from what you guys have. Jesus said this, Don't store up treasures here on earth, where moths eat them and rust destroys them, and where thieves break in and steal. In other words, laying up treasures on earth is a really bad investment because it's going to go away. Can you imagine somebody standing before Jesus and he says, Hey, did you see the corner office that I got? It was really cool. Did you, did you see, Jesus, that my, my kid made the all-star team in the soccer league? I mean, wow. He was a great athlete. He was, he was a tremendous soccer player, and I know that was really important to you, Jesus. Or, hey, my kid got into this elite college. Full scholarship, Jesus. Weren't you impressed? See, I don't think we'll be saying that to Jesus. Because we'll have different eyes and we'll be looking back on that and saying, why was all of that stuff so important to me? Because it's all gone now. The size of my house, the cost of my car, the college that my kid went to, the job that my kid got that has paid him $400,000 a year in my dreams. Uh, you know, all of, the, all of that stuff is gone. It doesn't matter. Faith understands that now before it's too late. So Jesus says, don't store up treasures on earth. Store up your treasures in heaven where moths and rust cannot destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. In other words, heaven is a much better investment plan. And what that implies, you guys, is that there is a difference of what people are going to experience in heaven based on how they lived here on earth. Some people are going to get to heaven without even the clothes on their back. Jesus, uh, Paul says they're going to be saved, but so is through fire. In other words, fire is going to burn away everything of their life, and they're going to get into heaven, but they will have nothing there. And there are others who are going to receive rewards, they're going to receive authority, they're going to be rulers in heaven. In other words, there's going to be different levels of blessing in heaven based on what you did here on this earth. So 
So how will walking by faith change your value system? Number one, walking by faith will lead you to generosity. Why do I say that? I say that because you will realize that the way that you can lay up treasures in heaven is by investing in things that make a difference in people's lives. I honestly believe that living by faith will lead you to moderation. My dad, here we are on Father's Day, my dad was an amazing example of this. When we were kids, my dad drove me crazy because he would drive cars that were a complete embarrassment to us. I remember we were driving to church in a 64 Chevelle station wagon with 263,000 miles on it. It was a horrible car. It was ugly. It was old. It was beat up. And we kept saying, Dad, why don't you get a new car? And he says, because this one still works. All of his friends, who were, he was a very successful business, all of his friends moved to either Palace Verdes, which was kind of the hot spot, or there were different country clubs that had, you know, so where you could buy a house by the golf course. Dad, let's move to a new house. I said, this house is good enough. And my dad wound up giving between 25 and 30% of all of his income that he ever made throughout life to God's work. And he loved doing it. It was the joy of his life to fund missionaries and to make a difference in people's lives and if people have needs to help them. And all his life he did that. And he never made a big deal out of it. He never trumpeted that. He just did it because stuff of this world didn't mean very much to him. Faith, the eyes of faith, will let you see your car, that brand new car that you buy, go way into debt to get it. It will let you see that 10 years from now. Oh, it'll be a rust bucket just like the current rust bucket I have. And so rather than investing 80, 120, $160,000 in a new car, you'll say, how can I get a car that will get me what I need to do as reasonably as I can do it so that I have more to share? See, faith will actually start changing crazy things like that. Let me just jump forward to faith will transform your life. In fact, I think we had, yeah. It's interesting, if you have time today, Matthew 6, 19 through 24 talks about learning to live for heaven. Matthew 6, 25 through 34 talks about experiencing peace and freedom from anxiety in your life every day. What will faith do for your life? It will give you a peace that really does pass understanding. When your trust is in riches, guess what? You're going to be paying attention to that stock market. You're going to be worrying about the coming bubble and the crash and all of this kind of stuff. And you're going to be terrified with what might happen. When your faith is in God, you don't worry about that stuff. 
because you realize that your Father in Heaven is committed to take care of you. And you guys, when you start experiencing that, it gets really, really cool. I honestly, you know, we're, we're in a phase of our life, we don't have a paycheck except what individuals and people choose to give to us. You know, we're, uh, we're missionaries who live off support. And it's, it's a very interesting transition in life from having a constant paycheck that was always there to, to living in essence by faith that God is going to meet your needs through the gifts of other people. And you know what? I like this better. I like not knowing if we're going to have enough money next month because I have to ask God to provide for our needs. I have to ask God to allow us to continue to do what he's called us to do. And so rather than having, you know, a, a ministry where they've got a big bank account and, okay, if giving's down, they can still pay you, no problem. We're, we're in a situation where we have to trust God, and it, it really sharpens my thanksgiving to God for everything that we receive from him. So here's the question of the day. How do I grow in faith? How can I build my faith to where I'm actually starting to live by faith? And I want to give you some real simple suggestions. And I'd encourage you to write this down. First, I would like you to, in your phone or a little journal or something like that, this week, keep a record of how you spend your discretionary time. Just when you're sitting at the computer, you know, browsing the internet, just write down, okay, 9 to 10, surf the internet, solve the problems of the world, went to Dredge Report, got mad, you know, and... Went to Rush Limbaugh's site, got even madder. Went to Fox News site, got even madder, you know. And so, okay, so that's how I spent my last hour. Or uh, if you watch TV, just write down, watch TV this hour, this half hour. And every hour of your discretionary time, just write down very simply, what did you do? You don't need, don't need to go into detail, just what did you do? Paid bills, uh, went to the kids' soccer games, everything like that. At the end of your week, you will have a snapshot of your value system. Now, you may not believe it, but you will have an accurate snapshot of what it is you value in life. Because you know what, you guys? We do what we want to do. I've talked to so many people. I don't have time to get with God. I'm too busy. I don't have time to be in a, a life group or a, a home group. I'm too busy. I've got too many things. You know what? How can I say this politely? It's not true. I'll just say that. Okay. What you do is what you've decided to do. Now, you may feel, oh, no, I have to have my kids in four sports. They have to be on all-stars and club and playing 12 months a year and us chasing them all over creation. That, that we have to do that. If we don't do that, what might happen? 
my kids won't play on the LA Galaxy pro soccer team, or they won't make the Dodgers, or they won't make the, the, the San Francisco, or whoever, Golden State Warriors, or whoever we're following. I don't even bother with the Lakers anymore. That's nice. But, I mean, the Lake, Lakers really did me a favor. I have no interest in basketball anymore, so it's kind of nice. But, but do you see what, what's happening? We're, we're trapped in the current of the world, and we have to do what the world tells us to do. But you know what, you guys? You don't have to. When we raised our kids, we had to make a decision about what they wanted to do. They could do one thing during the season, and that's it. Now, my kids aren't playing for the Dodgers. Brokenhearted about that. My, my kids aren't, uh, you know, my son's not playing on the pro golf tour. You know, I, he's not playing for the U.S. Open today, you know. But do you know what? My three kids love Jesus, and they're married to husbands and wives who love Jesus, and they're raising children who love Jesus. And you want to know something? That's more important to me than if my son were competing for the Triple Crown in Major League Baseball. I'm happier with their lives the way they are now than if they had everything this world could give them. Faith works. So, once you get your snapshot, now you start seeing, oh my goodness, for every one hour I spend in God's word, I'm spending 10 hours sitting at the feet of the world listening to them. I'm spending 10 times the amount of time letting the world influence me and shape my thinking and my attitudes for every one hour I spend in God's word. Right there, you've got a huge picture of what needs to change in your life. And you start making changes so that God's word dominates your life. The last thing, and with this we've got to go, if you want to learn to walk by faith, I want you to learn the skill of talking to yourself. Now you might think, oh, I don't want to be crazy. And no, you don't want to be crazy. But one of the little cues that I learned from David, Psalm 42. Psalm 42, David says, Why are you downcast, O my soul? Who is David talking to? He's talking to himself. And he goes on and he says, Hope in God, for he is the salvation that you're looking for. And so I want to encourage you to start reminding yourselves of the things of God that you know are true and do it verbally and do it out loud. People will really think you're nuts if they see you in a car doing it. Of course, actually, they'll just think you're on the cell phone, so it's no problem now. But you just, you talk to yourself and you remind yourself of what in God's word you know is true and it will encourage you to actually start doing faith on a day-by-day basis. So, got to go, but the simple bottom line of today is I want to encourage you every day to receive God's grace in a fresh way by faith. You start doing that, and your life is going to start changing in ways that you can't imagine. You will see God show up because he loves to show up on, the, on behalf of people who trust him. 
So, Father, I pray that as we go our separate ways, you would excite us about learning to live by faith. You'd excite us to learn to trust you in the simple things of life. And God, uh, we want to see you do some great things in this valley, in this community. And I just pray that we would be faithful believers who could let you do those great things. In Jesus' name, amen.